If only you had good music here, <laughs> we could accomplish great things together for the Lord. We left Nashville uh, Wednesday morning, and it was 65 degrees. <laughs> and I went outside this morning, and the first thought that hit me was, really? Really? <laughs> when we came into town, and uh, the first thing I did was I got a notification on my phone. I clicked on it, and it was a news thing that popped up, um, and it said, that FCA is going to, that there's going to be $400 million pumped into Kokomo and a thousand new jobs. And I was like, yeah. The day I arrived in town, you're welcome. <laughs> and then the thought hit me, what if we could just get a fraction of those thousand families that may be moving in here? Yeah. Well, it is good to be here. I, uh, first of all, for those of you that have your clocks out already, because you're going to time the new preacher, see how long he preaches. Okay, don't start yet, because this is just intro. I'm not preaching yet. I'll let you know. I'll let you know when I start preaching. Is that all right? Um, but we are honored and blessed to be here with you. Finally, God interrupted our lives a few months ago, and uh, your DS totally messed us up. But what Vicki and I believe and have prayed through is that God has something uh, better for us in the days ahead, and uh, we are eternal optimists, and we believe with all of our heart that what God has ahead for us is always better than what has been behind us, always with God. And um, don't start timing me yet. I haven't started yet. I'm just hanging there. Uh, we are blessed. Uh, there are people, I was getting text messages. Sometimes you'll see me on my phone. I'm not like checking Facebook or, but a lot of times I'll get text messages from people, friends all over the world, literally, that just remind me they are praying for me and us today as we start this journey together. And so I covet your prayers, uh, where is Joyce? Wave at me, Joyce. Where are you, Joyce? Uh, she's my hero. And I know there's others, but heading up the prayer ministry that has been ongoing through this process, um, Vicki and I have prayed one thing is that in all of the steps that we take, God just let us sense your peace. We don't need to tell you how to do things. Just give us your peace. And um, so just want to say thank you for that. We have, we're also blessed uh, we grew up in the Midwest, kind of on the next state over, um, the also known as the high tax state, all right? Um, but we're privileged today. My brother, I have one brother and one sister. Uh, I had two sisters, I have one still alive. But my brother and my sister-in-law, she is, uh, they are here today. And I, I say that because he has, and really they have seen me at my worst, <laughs> there was a day when I was a very hateful, angry, bitter, young teenager and um, said and did very hurtful and ugly things, and they saw that. But 
How many of you, come on, in this place today, I know there's at least one or two. How many of you know it doesn't matter what you're like, God, when Christ get a holds of your, uh, gets a hold of your life, he can just change you completely. Amen? Can I get an amen? Yeah. And, um, and though there was a day that we would have killed each other, and I mean maybe literally, uh, we are great friends today, and he is my hero and my sister-in-law. It's good to have them here today. Um, they, um, they are, live in Bourbon A right near Olivet, although they're homeless right now. And, um, so, and then it's also good to have Vicky's brother and sister-in-law are here today and their kids, and they are from Bourbon A as well. And, um, if you ever get in trouble with the law in Bourbon A, um, he is the chief of police there. So if you will just see me, I will get you a get-out-of-jail-free card if you're ever at Olivet. Or if you have kids that are at Olivet, they may need it more than you. Uh, But we are so grateful to have them here. Uh, We are blessed, Vicki and I, to have uh, such loving, wonderful family that loves each other. Um, Also, we have our semi-adopted son. Steve is with us today. I'd like to tell you that he lives in Bourbon A too, but he doesn't. He lives in Illinois though. And uh, now my, my thought is they're all unhappy living in Illinois. And I just thought today by affirmation, we would just all receive them into membership right here at Kokomo. Is that all right? Yep. Get out. Just come on over. Just come on over. Um, also, it's good to have um, some wonderful friends uh, of ours, uh, Jim, and, Jim and Deb Hines, some of you may know them. Um, he's like a brother uh, that I never wanted. And um, <laughs> his, wife, his wife gets extra credit because she, she has to put up with him. But his mom's an angel, and you all know Merle. And anyway, it's good to have them here. Our district superintendent, um, I have great, great respect for Reverend David Bartley. He carries a burden that most of you never realize that not just for this church for the last year and a half or so, but he carries every week a burden for dozens of churches on our district. And he has to deal with problems almost every week that he had nothing to do with starting. And he spends most of his nights, a lot of nights traveling. He has spent many nights here where he didn't get home until midnight and he would not see his spouse, would not see his kids until the next day. And um, I just wanted to to thank him, and um, he loves this church more than you know he does. He has prayed for this church more than you know he has. And um, I just wanted to say, as your pastor, you will never hear anything but 100% support for our district superintendent, David Bartlett. Love you. Love you, brother. Um, I have one more friend. Well, I hope I've got a lot more friends, but I have one more that I want to acknowledge today that is here Um, I've known this person most of my life. He's been an encourager to me, talks to me um, every day, calls me out at times, um, challenges me continually to be the very best that I can be, whispers in my ear every morning that he is working in my life to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what I could think, dream, or imagine. And if there's some other people here who are thankful for the Holy Spirit, would you say amen? amen. Yeah, because he is here today. 
All right. Um, hey, those of you that are want, waiting to time me, I haven't started yet. This is just intro. Don't start the clock yet. I'll tell you. I'll tell you when. But there's some things we just need to get out of the way real quick. I need for you to help me kind of get settled in here. So I, you can, I don't care if you do it by clapping, yay, whatever, uh, but I just want to shoot some pictures up and I just kind of need to get your response to help me kind of settle in and know who we have here. Here's the first one. All right. Wow. Okay. That's good. Um, I, I did get one like that. It just said Indiana across that. I got that for Christmas. And I just wore it because I thought it was just like the state of Indiana, but I found out it meant something more. And I did get a few messages from some of you. So, and then there's this one. Wow, it was almost like half and half. Or some of you, you just clap at anything. Oh, yes, I love that jersey. All right, how about this one? Wow. There's a lady right back here. I think she just got saved. <laughs> I'll tell you, my son is a Notre Dame fan. And I will just say this in front of you, since our district superintendent is here, he told me that if I did come, he could get me tickets to Notre Dame games. And so my son is now relying on your integrity. So anyway, <laughs> all right, let's just do, let me just do a couple more because this really helps me. I'm going to throw this picture up and just kind of respond accordingly. Here's this one. All right, dog lovers out there, dog lovers. <clears throat> now, this next one's really important. Okay, how, how many of you are cat lovers? Can I see your hands? No, just leave them up for a second because I need to know who I need to pray for the most. <laughs> Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, do, do pets go to heaven? And my response was, Dogs, yes. Cats, no. Cats, no. So, all right. Well, thank you for your prayers. God has given us great peace. Um, one of the things you will learn very, don't time me yet. I haven't started preaching yet. All right. One of the things that you will learn very quickly is that this lady down here in the front row is the best part of the deal that you got. All right. Um, Yeah, a year from now, you'll all be like on your feet clapping, going, yes, she is. Uh, we are a team. We felt called into ministry, both individually and as a team. She received a call into her life. She felt called, for, uh, especially early on, even into to missions. And so we both have a heart for, for missions. Her gifts and talents will amaze you. Uh, you will discover that I, like some of you, married way over your head. All right. Um, now, oh, don't time me, I'm not preaching yet. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to ask on our behalf, but more so for me than my wife, because she's much better at this than I am. But I am going to ask you for grace in the next few weeks and months with remembering your names, all right? Because you have like two names to remember. We got like 800 plus or whatever, and so it's going to take a little time. We'll learn them, but give us grace. And here's what we have learned, and I'll, I'll, I'll get... I'll share more of this in the weeks to come, but we have learned that the best way to know someone and get to know them and know their heart is one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, not necessarily standing at a door, shaking a hand or talking down front afterwards, but spending some time together. And so we want to get to know you. 
in the coming weeks and months, and it may be over coffee, uh, maybe a meal, maybe just coming by the church and we spend time talking together. And I'll talk more in the next couple of weeks about how we're going to make that happen and give anybody the opportunity that wants to spend time with us doing that. We will, we will take as long as it takes to do that. So we're just invested in that. Um, Vicki and I have known nothing, nothing but serving God and his church from the day that we said I do. We were married, and the very next um, week, begin to get a conversation, and we started just a, a couple of weeks or so after we were married, our very first church on staff, and um, man, what a ride it has been for us on this journey. And I, I wish I had time to just give you my testimony this morning, because I talked to you about if you will just give God your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole strength, all of your resources, all of your dreams, all of your vision, I will tell you our testimony is he will take you on a ride that will far surpass anything that you could ever dream he could do. Um, I have a, uh, my mom and dad, uh, I have their Bibles. My brother and sisters were kind enough to let me have their Bibles. So I have my dad's Bible that he used. Uh, it's worn out. Pages are falling out. My mom's Bible, similar. And very often what I will do, and this is, uh, this is a good lesson for some of you parents, my mom and my dad would not just read the Bible, but they would write in the margins things that God would teach them. And so often I will get one of their Bibles out and I will read through it and I will allow my mom and dad to teach me and grow me even though they have been gone for several years and and I'll, I'll just look through and I'll read like I'll I'll go to Philippians 419 and I can look in my dad's Bible you know and it'll say you know uh, for my God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus and then I'll read you know God has always been faithful to me met all the needs of my family God has blessed me um, my dad sat our very first church uh, we arrived that Sunday. There were 22 people in that little church in Florida. And Vicki and I arrived that day. And my dad traveled hundreds of miles. And he was there with us. And he sat on the, the front row. And he just amened me to death. I was horrible, but he was a good liar. And uh, he just made me feel like I was awesome. And I was talking to my sister this past week. And, um, and, and my brother, we were talking on text. And I said, uh, you know, this Sunday's our first Sunday. And, Kokomo, and I wish, I wish mom and dad could be here today, right down there. I saved them some seats. They just haven't shown up yet. And my sister replied back to me, oh, they'll be there. They'll be there. See, God has blessed my life more than I dreamed or imagined from that tiny church of 22 to standing on this beautiful stage today and looking out at all of you, God has done truly exceedingly abundantly beyond whatever I could think of. And I'm always reminded of the scripture, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And I have found that to be true. We have found that to be true. And we are more fascinated. Hey, I haven't started preaching yet, so don't, don't, don't time me yet. It's just introduction. And hey, by the way, there's supposed to be normally two services, right? So if I get two preaching times. So this is the first one. Um, we're more fascinated these days, the older we get, 
um, with God now than we have ever been before. He never grows old. He never grows distant. You can still hear his voice. You'll never reach the end of him. His supply will never run empty from everlasting, from everlasting. He is God and he is in control. His searches are unreachable. Or his riches are unsearchable. You can just go through this book that he has given us and you'll find that his love is uncomprehending, his power is limitless, his mercies are new and fresh each day. Now, would you stand with me, please, and turn to the person next to you and just say, now you can start your clock. All right. I was half kidding. You don't have to actually. Some of you got your timers out. Um, if you have your Bibles, whether it's uh, your, your, your hardback, stay standing. If you have your hardback Bible or if you have your digital Bible, if you turn to Luke eight forty six, and then we're going to look in a moment at Hebrews chapter 4. Um, these will be on the screen. So if you rather read that from there, you can do that as well. But in Luke eight forty six is this simple verse that is encapsulated around a famous passage where Jesus is headed to raise a little girl from the dead. But in the midst of that story, there is another story. And we read this verse. So the story is about where Jesus is going. But in the midst of what Jesus is going to do is this other story. And here's this verse in Luke eight forty six. Jesus said, someone touched me. I know because power has gone out from me. Someone touched me because power has gone out from me. doesn't say who it is. There's no name given to this person. It just says someone has touched me. And then we see how he knows. He knows that, that someone touched him because power was released from him. And it's not that Jesus lost power. It's not like he had all this power. and He's like, ooh, somebody took my power away. No, no, no. It's not that he lost power for he is power, right? You can take some of his power and he'll just have more, right? You, you can't take too much of his power, but, but he senses there's power that has gone from him for a purpose to touch someone else, to heal someone else, to meet a need in someone else. That's good stuff. I think I might be able to preach a little bit today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 now, we tie this together. So let me take that passage, which is a passage in the midst of a story, and then I want to go to the Hebrew writer in chapter 4, verse 15, and we see how this comes together For it says there, for we do not have a, stay with me, a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. If you have the King James Version, it says, we do not have one who is, it uses the word touched. He is touched by our infirmities. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Watch, let us then approach God's throne of grace. How do we do that? With confidence, right? King James, if you have that, it says what? Boldly, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I said all that to bring you this one word, this word touched. For we have a high priest 
who is touched by our need. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we are glad you're here this morning. I am glad you are here. We need you. And it's not that we had to pray for you to come. You've promised you'd already be here. What we prayed this morning when we asked Holy Spirit be here is that we would sense you. We would feel your power. We would sense your touch upon us today. And so we seek only your glory today. And in the days ahead, there, there's really only one preacher in this place that will ever stand on this platform. And that is the Holy Spirit. It is you, Holy Spirit. So speak clearly today. May we touch even just the hem of your garment today that we might find healing and grace and mercy and forgiveness for whatever need we have today. God, until we want no more, till we're just filled up, feed us. May your glory so fill this place each week that people will simply show up to be touched by you, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There was a study done several years ago uh, by a group of physicians that went into orphanages and they wanted to see if there was a correlation between touch on infants and those that weren't. And so they divided these babies down into two groups. In the first group, they told them, now just just, uh, do the basic things. Feed them, change their diapers, uh, do, do, do the necessary things, clean them up, you know, if, if, if they're really dirty, clean them up. Uh, because they wanted to see if there was a correlation between stimulation and physical development in these babies. So they took these babies and they, one group was instructed, just do the basics, almost like a robotical format. Don't, don't hold them, just Just do whatever you have to, the the basic necessities. The other group, however, was instructed to care for these children deeply. Hold them. Fondle them. Rub their heads. Kiss them on their cheeks. Rub the backs of those babies when they're being fed and when they're changed. And then after a period of time, they measured the growth of those babies and the health of those babies. And to their surprise, the babies who were touched the most grew the most and were the most healthy. They began to understand there was this correlation between an appropriate touch and how it affects our growth. Couples that touch each other, for example, um, hugs, hands, Kisses, affirmation. Studies show they not only stay married longer, they live longer and they have happier marriages. The power of touch. It's often how we communicate, right? Touch. We don't have to verbalize our feelings. We can do it with body language, which is one of the reasons why text messages and Facebook and Messenger and all of those things are such poor communication tools because 60 to 70% of the things that we communicate, we do it in nonverbal ways or in, in ways like touch or body language. We can be in a crowded room, dozens of feet apart, and Vicki can look at me and say with her eyes, you are mine, big boy. Mm. I love you. I can't wait to get you home tonight. 
on the couch so you can rub my feet. That's, uh, <laughs> I know that look. <laughs> when my sweet wife discovered she had cancer, she had numerous cards sent to her, numerous calls, um, messages, emails. But it meant nothing in comparison to one person that would come up to her and slip an arm around her and say nothing. The power of touch. The writer of Hebrews is doing kind of a comparison between the Old Testament and the New Testament here. On the one hand, we have the Old Covenant given us to us through the Old Testament, and in the other, we have this New Covenant now because of Christ. We have the New Testament. And he compares them throughout the book of Hebrews, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, so that we might better understand, stay with me, how in our contemporary society, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have a better thing now than what we had before. You, you see, we always serve a God of crescendos who is leading us to something that is better. We don't always see it. We don't always understand it. But that is the God we, we serve so that we might understand he is working. He's in the process of taking us always from that which is good. Now, the good, oftentimes, we think that's the best. But God's going, no, no, you thought that was good? Let me show you what I got for you over here. He is always taking us from what is good to what is better. He is doing that for you personally, individually. He's doing that for you spiritually. Some of you have been around the church, and I don't care if the church means the Kokomo Church of Nazarene or, or the church in general. Some of you have been around a long, long time, but I'm telling you, you're, some of you are living in the good, but God wants to do something in you and take you from the good to something that is far greater for you. Because that's just the God we serve. He's always taking us from something that is good to something that is better. He's never trying to weaken you. He is always trying to strengthen you. And, and this, is, this is huge. You have to know that theology. You have to believe that because when God takes something from you or he takes something out of your life or someone out of your life, the enemy will come and tempt you to think now your life is on a decline. You, you lose a job and now you think in your mind your life is... It's on the way down, and, and, and the enemy will come and sit on your shoulders. But when you serve the Lord, your life can never be on a decline. He is always doing an increasing value in your life, molding you, shaping you into the image of his son. He is always taking you from what is good to what is better. You may not understand it, and you may not always like it, but that's the God we serve. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. So if he took it away, if he pulled it out, if he moved it somewhere, it's only a sign that something is coming that is better. Now the book of Hebrews is a book of better things and he reminds us that we don't have a high priest who's unsympathetic, doesn't understand what we're going through, doesn't care. It's really a book about uh, the difference between religion and relationship. You know, religion is like cold and sterile and dutiful and ritualistic. But relationship's always intimate. 
Relationship is always better. It, it has touch. It has passion. Relationship has joy. Relationship has love. And he's encouraging us to go beyond religion into a, in the book of Hebrews, into a personal relationship with God. And he can be touched today. He wants to be touched. You don't need to be in a special place to reach him. You can be driving down the street in a car like I was. You can reach him in a closet. You can reach him at the bedside of a sick child. You can reach him in an emergency room. You can reach to him in the parking lot at a doctor's office when you just got news that shook your world and you feel all alone. Listen, here's the God we serve. He's touchable. And often, he's the only one, <laughs> this is so good, often he's the only one that really knows how you feel. My wife would be going through some of her stuff, you know, when she was going through treatments, and I'd try as best I could to understand that. I, I, how, what's going on? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And sometimes there was no way for her to even express to me all that she was feeling. But see, God knows how you really feel. The King James Version says, I can, be in touch, I can be touched by your infirmities. And there's that rub again, for that violates Old Testament law, the idea that someone who had an infirmity, a disease, a sickness could not be touched. You had to stay away from them. You couldn't touch them at all. You weren't worthy. But you don't ever touch God because you're worthy. You don't come to him because you're good. You don't come to him because you're clean. He said, it is the feeling of your infirmity that I feel that touches me. Your humility touches him. Your tears touch him. Your prayers touch him. Okay, but there's another story at play here. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' daughter. He's on his way to heal her. Um, because at this point, she's just very ill. She's not dead yet. And there is this father that has come to Jesus, and he's pleading on behalf of his daughter. Any father in this place would do the same. He had traveled a great distance. He's pleading with Jesus. There's nothing like having a child in trouble. You will do anything you can to help that child. I remember... um, our grandson wasn't about two years old or so, and he was at our house, and he's kind of learning to walk. You know, I call it the drunk walk. You know what I mean? He's just kind of walking around, and he hits the corner of something, and he falls, and he hits his little precious head on the side of a coffee table, and he just starts screaming. And you'd have thought the entire world had come to an end in our house because our daughter jumped up, and she ran across, and she scooped that little crying self thing up into her arms, you know, and she's holding him tightly and she's kissing him and both of them got tears running down their eyes. And of course, we're just over there laughing. And um, because, you know, by the second or third child, you're like, hey, just get up and stop crying or I'll give you something to cry. Am I right? You know, by second or third child. And if you're a fourth child, they don't even take pictures of you anymore, right? Now, my brother, you know, he was born for me. My sisters, it was like, oh, here's... Here's Linda when she was five minutes old. Here's her picture when she's 10 minutes old. You know, here she is in her first outfit. By the time it got to me and my brother, it'd be like, here's when they were born. Here's when they're going off to college. (laughs) 
we got to get more pictures of them. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing that gets your attention like a child in trouble. And we looked at her and said, and now you understand how much we loved you. Because she could never know how much we loved her until she had someone like that that she could love. Jairus, who has power, has now run into this situation. He can't fix it. He's got money, money can't fix it. He's got power, power can't fix it. And he comes quickly to the conclusion this is a job for Jesus. Because whenever you come into the reality of a situation that is beyond man's ability, don't throw your hands up and say it can't be done. Just because a man can't do it doesn't mean it can't be done. (laughs) Just because a doctor can't do it or says it can't happen doesn't mean it can't happen. I had a man in my church two years ago. He was, uh, the short story is, he, he had had a fall, had back surgery, had a fall, paralyzed him from uh, the waist down. He had no feelings. They could take a, a pin sticking into his leg. He could feel nothing. They said they didn't think he would ever walk again. And we prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. And I didn't even know he was in church that day. It wouldn't surprise me because they'd bring him in a wheelchair and Vicky and I were serving communion. We happened to be doing it by intention that day. And as we're serving communion, we looked down the aisle and here he come, walking down the aisle to get communion. Because just because a doctor says it doesn't mean it can't happen. Just because your calculator says no doesn't mean it's a no. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' home quickly so he can minister to his daughter. And there is now a story within a story that I mentioned earlier. And I found walking with God that it is not so much about the destination. It's not where you're headed. It's what God wants to do on the journey that is so important. The things that happen along the way. Some of you are working on maybe a degree, but it's not so much the degree God is after in your life as it is the lessons he wants to teach you as you pursue that degree. Sometimes God does not give you what you want when you want it. Sometimes he delays an answer because he's doing things along the journey that you don't understand because you're just on the destination. I went to Olivet Nazarene University for a degree. That was my destination. But in the process, I met a girl named Vicki, and she was smitten by my charm. And I found that the, and I found that the, come on, stay with me. I found that the process was better than the destination. Are you with me? Jairus' daughter is sick. They're headed to a destination. They're walking quickly. Now, you, I, you don't have time to get it. Jesus' popularity was out. They heard, they would hear he's there. People would just crowd in. They'd try to get up to him, push around him. He was going through the crowd quickly. His disciples are like bodyguards. They're making a way. He's pushing through the crowd and... Um, Never noticing, never noticing, this is Jesus, never noticing that God has on the side a woman who will interrupt the process of the destination with her significant crisis that will distract the attention of Jesus to where he's headed. Now this lady, we don't know her name, but when the problem first attacked her, she had means and she had family and she had hope. She had physicians But now she has no friends and no family and no money and no doctors and no hope. 12 years of fighting this disease that no one had any way to help her with. And some of you will understand this statement I'm getting ready to make. 
long problems have a tendency to drain you, make you weary, make you feel like there is no hope. When Vicki and I traveled over to Ecuador and into some of the poorest places that we have ever seen, and people would line up for hours just to come in and get some sort of medical care and um, people that have nothing. And we learned that, you know what they prayed for every day? They weren't praying for like a better job. Or, you know what they prayed for every day? They would spend most of their day praying for water and for food. I have never in my life prayed for food or water. Because as long as I can go to the faucet and I can turn that thing on, I will waste more in a day than most people have in a month or a year. I walk to a refrigerator that is full with an abundance of food and I just open it up and I'll spend moments standing there staring, not because there's nothing there, but trying to decide, prioritizing which one of those I want to start with first, right? As long as the kitchen sink works and the refrigerator is full, I will never pray for water and I will never pray for food. Faith is born in us when our supply runs out. Faith starts at the point of human limitation. You, you, you don't believe God for what you can do for yourself, which is one of the reasons that America is in so much trouble and why our churches are dying is because we have people in America that don't need God. We've got everything we could possibly want. We are a very hedonistic society, and if we've got everything we want, why would we need God? So this woman had no more options. The only thing this woman has is a voice inside of her that says, either lay here and die or get up and move. Lay here and die or get up and move. And I believe God is moved by our faith. Scripture says our faith gets God's attention. It releases his power. You see, it wasn't just about his will. It was also about her will. See, you have a will. God has a will, but you have a will as well. You have a will that God respects. You have a will that God is touched by, that he is moved by. That's why he asked one man that's laying there sick for a long time at the pool of Bethesda, and he says, you really want to get well? Because you got a will. You, you want it bad enough? If you wanted it bad enough, why don't you just crawl over there to that pool? Oh, I ain't got nobody to carry me. See, because we have a will. We have things that we can do. We can put into action. This woman had nothing but a mustard seed of faith. And in Mark's gospel of the same story, it, it, it's translated there, I know, she said, I know if I could touch just the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Now, if you were to look at the context of the language there, it would mean that she repeated that over and over and over. If I could just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, I don't even need to touch him. If I could just touch the, because if I touch him, I might get in trouble. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. And she just kept saying that over and over. And scripture said crowds are pressing in. Now you've got to understand this story. They're pressing in on Jesus. And the scripture, <laughs> the scripture says she comes up behind him. He's moving this way. He's healthy. She is sick and she is weak and she is broke and she is in pain. <laughs> but she's still caught up with Jesus. 
And sometimes no matter what's wrong with you, you just have to press forward. Sometimes you just have to move ahead. Sometimes you just have to take one foot and put it in front of the other and make some progress in your life and demonstrate faith in your life that God can move in. And watch this. She doesn't even touch Jesus. She touches something that is touching Jesus. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one to preach. I ain't got time. And it says, when she touched the hem of his garment, power flowed out and she was healed. She wasn't the one, she wasn't the only one that day touching, this is is a whole different message. She wasn't the only one touching Jesus that day because it said crowds were pressing in on him. And, and, And she's not the only one touching his garment um, but it says that she, she touches the garment, but uh, in desperation from her faith, as she touched it, Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute, who touched me? There's crowds around him. He's pressing through crowds, and a woman in a little bit of faith touches his garment. And Jesus stops and says, whoa, 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 who touched me? Because there has always been a crowd around Jesus, a a great gathering, an entourage, people that are enamored by miracles, people that want something, but not a lot of people that really want to touch him. We like to be around him. There's just not a lot of people touching him. We come into his house and we sing songs about him. Oh, should I get on to this my first Sunday? Or we'll complain about songs that we didn't have sung that we liked. Because we know that pleases him. Oh, you didn't like that one, did you? But few people desire to touch him. But this woman said, I can't stay in this condition another 12 years. I don't want to be like this for another 12 years in this condition, in this pain. I'm going to, I don't know what it's going to do, but I'm going to touch Jesus. And so I got a question for you. My first Sunday here, our first Sunday here in Kokomo, Indiana, is there anybody at First Church of the Nazarene in Kokomo, Indiana, that is interested in touching Jesus? Or do you want to stay in your condition? Do you want to stay in your depression? Do you want to stay in your financial mess? Do you want to stay in your broken marriage? Do you want to stay in fear? Or do you want to touch him? Tell the person next to you, this is so good, he could just go on for hours. All right, let me close. I want to show you this. There is a correlation between the woman with the issue of blood and the destination that Jesus was going to. The interruption in that moment was really an interweaving. The woman with the issue of blood and Jairus' 12-year-old daughter are both dying. One was a young girl, the other was a mature woman. Both of them were in a crisis. One of them Jesus was going to and the other he was going from. 
the woman who had been sick, sick 12 years, the year she got sick, that girl was born. As the affliction grew in this woman, this little girl grew into her condition. 12 years sick, 12 years young. One is, one is the coming generation, but dying. And the other is a mature generation, but hemorrhaging, losing vision and life. And she touches Jesus and he ministers to her that woman and when she is healed that young girl dies there is a connection he gives life here loses life over here <laughs> but he says to those that are mourning in the process don't grieve it's not as it appears. <laughs> there is something better coming. <laughs> for I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not only can I heal the former, you'll soon find out I can resurrect the latter. <laughs> and when he gets to Jairus' house, with the healing of the woman on his heels, he walks into a room of death and the one who has been touched now touches the next generation. And it is made healthy and it is made strong. And the message is so much more powerful than that of the former. And word begins to spread and God does incredible things in the midst of something that they did not fully understand. I want I want to um, I want to ask just does it really matter does it really matter whether the lights are up or down or what songs on the screen or whether we have donuts or cinnamon rolls out there or does it matter does it matter you know if we're singing our favorite song or chorus or hymn or matter what people are wearing or what position we have or does it matter more that your daughter and your son and your grandchildren are touched by Jesus and brought back to life in the kingdom of God often God calls us to letting go in order to ready us for adding to because you can't just keep adding in fact, most churches, our district superintendent knows this, most churches get in trouble, not because they're not doing enough, but because they're doing way too many things they've been doing for so many years and they're doing them all poorly. And I, I don't say this lightly, it's hard to let go. We, we want him to do a new thing, but sentimentally we want to hold on to the old thing. Come on, am I preaching right? And there comes a time, there comes a time in our lives personally and things that 
you know, when we came into a relationship with him, we had to let go of some things. There comes a time in a church, sometimes we have to let go of some things that are good for things that are better. Had the woman who clung to the hem of Jesus' garment just held on, just like grabbed his garment or grabbed his feet and just held on. Listen, the greater work that Jesus intended to do would have never, ever come about. And when Jesus called you, he asked you to let go of some things because they weren't necessarily bad, but he had something, he had something much better for you that you couldn't see at the time. And when Jesus touches this next generation in our story, watch this, it is stronger than the touch of the former for the touch of the former was healing, but this is a touch of resurrection power like they had never seen before. And some of you have a son or a daughter or a grandchild and they are spiritually dead today, but it may require a touch of healing on you, a change in you, a healing process in your heart for this resurrection to happen in them. I'd like for everybody in this place who is 45 years of age or younger to just stand up across this place. You don't have to say anything, do anything, just stand up. Because when I came and I was here uh, the Sunday I preached to you, after the second service, where's Kevin? Is Kevin here? Where's Kevin? Kevin here? Is Kevin here or is he gone? He's back behind. Oh, he's waving at me back there. Listen, after it was over with tears, I, I came down and we hugged. And we're, Kevin with tears in his eyes. Here's what he said. We're talking about the second. He said, I have a dream of this entire place being filled with a younger generation. So to those of you that are standing, let me just say primarily you are the generation that people said would not make it. That you're a rejected generation. Some say that you are a godless, selfless, hard-hearted toward the things of God and that you're just hard to reach. <laughs> amen, amen. Your generation was labeled a generation of turning from God and the church, turning from the things of their parents. Your generation is the one they said was lazy and now they even have come out with a name for you called the nuns. No interest in church. Some have just said they're dead spiritually and there are many churches that just give up and closing their doors. <laughs> but God sent me here today to tell you, you are not dead. <laughs> You are just about to come alive in a whole new way and, 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 and in a way that the whole community see, will see that you are called by God, love God, devoted to God, give your heart, soul, mind, resources, everything to God and will serve God. This is what I believe. You will serve God in a greater way than even the generation that is seated now before you ever did. I believe that is true because... <laughs> It's always a move. He is always taking us from that which is good, but to something that is better. And you have to believe that, you that are standing, you have to believe that about yourself, that God, you know, my mom and dad, my brothers here, they started a church just when they were in their 30s. I, we celebrated a few weeks ago, a guy in my last church, 100 years old, 30 years old, 
Uh, 30 years old, he was a layman. He wasn't even called to preach. God called him to start a church. He started a church, and we celebrated the anniversary of it just recently. And about two weeks later, he went to be with Jesus. See, primarily, he will, the future primarily of the church. Come on, now, we're, I, I, if I were standing out here, I'd be seated right now. I'm not 45, I'm 46. But... Um, I would be seated right now and primarily the future of the church is not dependent on those that are seated. It is dependent on those of you that are standing. Jesus was 30 years old. He had three years. I don't know how many years you have, but, but you, 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 are, you are called by him. He has a dream for you. And if this church, listen, if this, I'm speaking to those that are standing. If this church lives or it dies, if it doubles in size or they close the doors, it will be largely dependent upon you. And I believe in you with my whole being. Your church board knows that when we had the interview, they know how I talked about this and that I believe in you and that our focus is on you. And we want you to do a greater thing in his church than we seated have ever experienced before. So lead us, lead us by example. Lead us by your passion for the things of God. Lead us in your devotion to his word. Lead us in your opening up what he has blessed you with and giving back to him so that you become someone God can bless even more. You, you lead us in all of those ways and there is no limit to what God could do through your generation. There is not. Now there's another generation that's the rest of us. And here's the question I have for you. How badly do you want to see this next generation go to a whole different level? Yeah. Well, now don't clap until I tell you what it takes. It means you have to pass the church on to the next generation. And the reason we close so many churches and that we, a lot of churches don't have young people in them is because we want to hold the keys to the church right until the lid's coming down on the casket and then we kind of toss them out, right? And what we find in our churches is by then nobody wants them. There's nobody there to take them. And so as we close this morning, I'm going to, I want those that are standing in just a minute, I want you to eye some, you're around somebody. I don't want anybody to be left out. In fact, um, we got some out here that are coming. They're going to be here on the platform. They're going to lead us in a song in a minute. Um, but as we close, I'm going to pray. But if you are in the generation that is seated right now, I want you to stand up and either if there's somebody near you, you put a hand, you pray for them like you prayed for me and Vicki. You pray a blessing on them. You just let them hear you say, we give you the church. We pray for you. We bless you. We're behind you. We support you. Pass the church on to the next generation. And as we close, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna lead us in prayer, but I want you to pray. Pray out loud for him. You may not know him and you may not be able to get near somebody. You could just extend a hand out towards somebody. But if you know him, call their name out. Listen, pray a prayer vision for him. 
you know, like if I'm praying for Ashton, I can pray, God, I see you doing great and mighty things in her life. I pray you'd bless and anoint her, her marriage with Dean. I pray that you would take them to a place they have never even dreamed before. Bless them, God. I want you to pray that for people so they hear you. And let's just close today. One woman touched, one girl got touched, but both of them were delivered and both of them were set free. Father, this morning, right now, we pray. Lord, I pray, I pray, Father, for this generation that many have given up on. Many have said, they've just said there's no hope, there's no passion, there's no fire in their belly for the things of God. And I call that a lie of Satan today. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would empower this next generation. And we're not going to be critical. We're going to be positive. We're going to be like their fans. We're just going to be yay God in them all the way along. And then, Father, for the rest of us, the generation that is praying now, I pray that we would receive a greater blessing because of what you're going to do through them. You've been so good to us. We could be here all day and celebrate the goodness of God. But Lord, today we're praying however good you've been to us. Pour out a double blessing. As Elisha said, give me a double blessing, oh God, as Elijah went. And Lord, I pray that would happen in the hearts and lives of this generation and in this church. And may you, may you, God, do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what anything we could think dream or imagine today how according to the power that is at work within us to God be the glory forever and ever and ever and all God's people said amen amen